Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome everyone to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We've got a great show for you today, only because I'm on the second half, not really. The more interesting part is the first half with Anthony Nieves, who's the committee chair for the ISM's non-manufacturing report on business. Got a great report for you on that today. But before we get to Anthony, let me get to my co-host, Lou Wise, up in New Jersey, who is uh, building an arc with the rest of the group at the office. Lou, how are you doing? Uh, doing great, and uh, I take objection to your comment about your show on the second half, that you're not the good part of the show. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 I've heard bits and pieces of what you're going to do, and uh, I think it's uh, pretty good. I think you ought to do this as your <laughs> regular day job. Oh, my gosh, I have a fan. Look at this. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. Her name is Sarah. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that's an old joke, folks, and we will just keep you guessing about that. Anyhow, let's uh, let's get to our show. Uh, a postscript from uh, this past week. Uh, we we did something unusual, and we may even start doing more unusual things. We actually had two shows. We had one on Fourth uh, of July. And we had Tim Fiore from the Institute of Supply Management to discuss June's PMI number, 57.8. Wow, big number, really a big number. I'm not sure we want to see it go up much more because then it starts teetering and may fall. So 57.8, that's a good number. you got to tune in and listen to that show. Uh, our second guest on that show is Chris Keel from Armada Corporate Intelligence and the FMA Economist to discuss the NACM report, which is the National Credit Manager's report. Um, Chris is uh, our humorist for the show. He's a humorous uh, economist, and uh, he's got some also great numbers. But he always ends his story with a dot, 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 yes, but. So you got to tune in and listen to Chris. Uh, but overall, things are really cooking, and uh, all of us in manufacturing and non-manufacturing uh, should be feeling pretty good. The second show of the week, which we, again, we don't do normally, but, again, we may start doing more of that because our listeners are clamoring for more of Tim and Lou. So, anyway. We had Anthony Nieves, Institute of Supply Management, committee chair for the non-manufacturing report. And that number also was staggering, 57.4. Uh, great numbers. Uh, we had a great, uh, uh, great conversation. I think it's worthwhile listening to both of them. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to have Tim Grady on. That's what I hear. Is that what you did, Tim? You did the show for us? Yes, actually, I was interviewed by some folks uh, here in Atlanta called Business Radio X. They have uh, seven locations, four in Atlanta, one in Phoenix, one in Pensacola, and they're launching Toronto, Canada. And they do a lot of business reports from the local area. Uh, I would suggest if you're interested in those folks, check out Business Radio X. Great group of guys. 
I sat down with uh, Stone Payton, uh, Payton and Lee Cantor. Uh, very bright, very bright guys. Uh, very good interview, and we really enjoyed being with them. So that's what we did there. Well, and Yeah, the question is, are they making money? That's the name of the game. they got to make money. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. We'll let you know when we're making money. Um, also, part of uh, that show, we did talk about uh, women and manufacturing, our show that's coming up in mid-September. We're going to keep talking about this because we want to alert everybody over a longer period of time. It's a new show, Women and Manufacturing. It's uh, all about women and manufacturing. And our first show, we do have a special, special guest. She's uh, Anna Hess. Uh, Anna, if you're listening, I do have to tell your age because it really makes a difference. Anna's going to be 89 years old. She was 15 years old when she worked in a tire plant in the 1940s, and her mother was 56, and she worked in a a B-29 plant, and we thought that this, the mother won't be on the show, however, Anna will be on the show talking about the way it was and the way women got into manufacturing for the first time in our in our economy. Great gal, great lady, a lot of laughs, um, and uh, we really enjoyed having – actually, we had multiple conversations with her. One uh, uh, will be on the air. Uh, so that being said, uh, let's move along. Uh, some news items, and, and today's kind of a, a – special real up stories. This is really great stuff. Uh, The Interior Secretary, Ryan Zink, who has made, uh, has met with a slew of uh, oil and gas executives, uh, has now approved uh, drilling rights uh, in federal lands. And it's only going to take 30 days to get permission to do that. The average gas company takes close to 257 days to get approval. So it looks like the Trump administration is looking to move things along uh, and going from 257 to 30. Let's see if that happens. If it happens, we give them one check mark. Uh, Next, ADP and others were predicting uh, new jobs for the month of uh, uh, June at around 180, 177,000. And guess what? Boom! They all made a mistake. 222,000 new jobs for the month of June. Staggering number. A total of 16 million point four since 2010. Great numbers. Great numbers. Um, in that hundred, in that two hundred twenty-two thousand, there's about eight thousand manufacturing jobs, which I'm sure you'll all be happy to hear. Uh, next, uh, Starbucks is doubling the size of their manufacturing plant in Georgia. They're investing one hundred twenty million dollars because of staggering profits that they've got. Uh, the plan is that uh, they are going to create. 68,000 new jobs in the U.S. by 2021. That's not that far away, folks. Uh, Next, wrecked Roxul to build a West Virginia manufacturing plant. Uh, 
$115 million in city of ransom. Um, upon completion, they will be hiring about 150 jobs, which will go up over the next couple of years to a couple of thousand. Toyota opens a new U.S. headquarters in uh, Texas. Um, 4,000 people at the Plano site, including 1,000 new local hires. Um, Infosystems will hire 2,000 at the new North Carolina facility to, for an expansion. Samsung product, uh, Samsung uh, reports a record $12 billion profit in the second quarter of this year, 2017. Uh, they too are expanding their plant and going to be adding additional employment. Uh, continuing, uh, continuing coverage, Siemens begins a $300 million expansion of a Massachusetts facility, and they are going to be adding 700 new jobs in their East Walpole facility over the next 10 years, which could wind up going up to a couple of thousand. Uh, I can go on and on. Foxconn, considering Wisconsin for 10,000 additional jobs, Foxconn is the one who builds the iPhone. They're looking to move that function to the United States, Wisconsin. So all in all, it looks as though uh, things are really cooking, Tim, and uh, it's, it's really exciting uh, that they're really uh, adding new jobs, new skills, new companies. And I think one of the big benefits is seeing these foreign companies wanting to open up plants here in the U.S. because we still make the best products. People want our brand made in America. Tim? No doubt. No doubt, Lou. This is really strong news. This is really part of what you and I have been waiting for and part of what's been kind of lagging in the GDP, and that is capital investment. So this is a lot of capital investment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is this is a drop in the bucket. There's a lot more going on. Wow. That is great news, and that's part of what is driving the uh, non-manufacturing report as well, because that's the services industry and a lot of other sectors. So let's get to our guest, Anthony Nieves, as he gives us an update on what's happening in non-manufacturing. He is the chair, the committee chair for the non-manufacturing report on business. An excellent report this month, which is actually June activity. Anthony, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. Well, you did a great job putting the report together. The number was terrific. I'm sorry? You did a great job putting the report together. The number looks terrific. I wish I could take full credit for that. (laughs) Well, go ahead and uh, share with our listeners how good it really is. Well, when we look at the composite index at 57.4, continuing to show strong growth for the sector, up uh, 0.5 percentage points. And to remind the listeners that the composite index um, is made up of uh, four indexes, uh, business activity, new orders, employment, and supplier deliveries, each uh, weighted equally at 25%. And so when you look at it in the aggregate, uh, definitely a, a good month. Uh, up from the June, uh, July, I'm sorry, from the May reading, and uh, 16 of the uh, 18 industries reflected growth, with only one industry, uh, arts, entertainment, and recreation, showing a contraction for the month, 
and one industry um, unchanged. So uh, we're seeing growth across the board uh, for, for the non-manufacturing sector. Anthony, is it uh, at this point, because business activity is bumping at 60 and new orders are up at 60, uh, getting a little overheated, or is it still operating okay? Well, I think that uh, when looking at the report, and for each month, uh, we've always said, well, is this sustainable? Is this growth pattern going to continue? And uh, so far, we've had you know, very little slippage over the course of uh, 2017. It just keeps reflecting uh, growth month over month. And I think that what we have to look at uh, going forward is July and August, the summer months, the pivotal months as we finish the third quarter and start entering into the, or we go through the third quarter and start entering into the fourth quarter, uh, will we have any clawback? All indications are that we are not at this point in time. We may have some, uh, you know, contraction, in, not contraction, but some uh, uh, reduction in the rate of growth uh, across some of the indexes in the summer, as we've seen in the past. Uh, but overall, I remain confident that unless something catastrophic happens, um, you know, things will hum along as is, especially in light of how strong the manufacturing sector is also at this point in time. Uh, Tim, I'd like to also throw in uh, at this point from the business side uh, of uh, these reports. Um, we are, one of the things that we are hearing a lot of, uh, irrespective of my comments of earlier, where uh, our sales are growing but not to the speed that ISM is, we are hearing a lot through our uh, various sales channels that the manufacturers, there's a lot of jobs out there that are waiting to be released. I think that there is a fair amount of major pent-up purchasing that's yet to break. It usually doesn't happen in July and August. It did, uh, it did however, do that several, three, four, or five years ago. I don't remember which year, where we had a, a record two months of ever since we've been in business in July and August. And I think that was a situation where there was pent up purchases and um, it showed its results, uh, you know, when it did. So we think that there's more business out there, but I think the big guys aren't signing off yet. I think there's a certain amount of um, insecurity or uncertainty. Yes, I think that's probably true. Anthony, what are the respondents saying in the non-manufacturing report, and are there any indications of uncertainty in non-manufacturing? It's a great question. I think uh, where we see uncertainty, and it's been consistent, is in healthcare and social assistance. Um, and I'll quote uh, one of our respondents. Uh, we continue to struggle with the unknown surrounding Obamacare, whether it will be repealed, or replaced, and if replaced, what does it mean for our health services business as well as our health plans business? And that's that's been a common uh, thread or theme uh, each month since the the new administration has uh, gone into play and uh, come into play, and that's going back to post-election. And um, you know, I think that uh, that uncertainty that we're seeing there is not carried over as much into the other. Uh, industries that comprise this sector, but it's been specific to um, the uh, healthcare and social assistance. 
when you look at some of the other industries and what they're uh, saying, and retail tra trade is always a good indicator, overall business is trending up, and we have a positive outlook for 2017. Now, I, can, I should note that this month, retail is uh, showing in business activity that it's actually contracted. Uh, not to be alarmed only because it just means that it's it, that that's the change month over month. When you look across all the other indexes, retail is, is, has a strong footing there. Um, wholesales trade, uh, several positive signals as we approach the third quarter. And that seems to be uh, mostly positive comments that we're receiving across the board. A couple things to note uh, in construction uh, they talk about labor. Labor continues to be constrained in the construction industry, driving cost increases. Regional unemployment rate of 2.7% is making hiring, hiring difficult on all phases of the construction supply chain. And we're seeing that in the commodity section as well. We see labor, construction labor, and temporary labor all showing up in price. And uh, all indications are that we're seeing, uh, we'll see the jobs report come out tomorrow and indications are that temporary labor is also going to be up in that report. So uh, uh, looking forward to reading that tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Anthony, yeah, one of, the, one of the reports that I always like hearing about because they have, they have this one industry stuck in with the non-manufacturing, uh, but the mining industry, which is, I don't know, I guess, a quasi non-manufacturing mate and manufacturing how are they doing uh specifically well yeah that's that's interesting because mining if you look back to uh 2016 it was you know the anchor that was being dragged by the uh entire sector it was always in the bottom rung of everything of every index um, across the board and then uh all of a sudden they rebounded and uh, when you look at where they are now um, in regards to they've, they've not reflected contraction in quite some time. And uh, on the composite basis, it's uh, showing like right in the middle of the pack of uh, all the other industries as far as growth and uh, in business activity. It's also showing in the middle of the pack or, you know, it's still above the 50 baseline. So mining has been doing quite well uh, for, for 2017, tail end of 2016. Excellent. There's a lot of happy well, Anthony, people on that. Yeah. Anthony, here's the question I have. I know the ISM measures a little differently than, for instance, uh, MAPI. MAPI measures manufacturing as if you work for Lockheed, you work for a manufacturer, and you're counted there um, a little differently than that ISM where they're counting you know, production floor to out the door. Um, do you have any feel for uh, how much of your sector is uh, made up of actual manufacturers, but it's just you're looking at it as a, a service to production rather than uh, employed by a manufacturer? Is that a big component of non-manufacturing? You know, that's, that's a difficult question, but uh, I'll take a stab at it. Um, okay. This This is... When you look at the industries that comprise non-manufacturing, it's by the NAICS code. And so uh, to your earlier comment about, you know, what is actually uh, going out the door, is it a service versus um, 
actual production of something. And uh, all of these industries and the companies that comprise them, uh, the closest you can get to manufacturing that I see is, is maybe assembling something or assembling components. But for the most part, it's typically services related. Um, because even in the construction end of things, they're not producing the lumber. They're not producing uh, any of the uh, parts or components that go into housing. They're assembling it. Because uh, right. so, people always ask me, why is construction in the non-manufacturing sector? Well, they're really not, they're not making anything other than assembling what's already been made. Uh, mm -hmm. And someone could argue that, well, they're making a house. Well, they're assembling the house. They're not actually, as I mentioned, <laughs> producing the stuff that went into it. And the same goes for, um, you know, some of the other industries are easier to define as being true uh, services-related type industries where labor is the uh, overriding component of what uh, is being utilized in these uh, particular companies and various industries across this eclectic sector. Okay, well, that's interesting because you're right, the, uh, the NAICS codes, uh, if you're a company like Lockheed or Boeing, your company may have a dozen of those codes. Yes. So I can see you know, why it's sliced up the way it's sliced up in the algorithm that you use. Currently in non-manufacturing, Anthony, do you see any headwinds? And, and we've asked this of Tim Fiore and a couple of other folks and we've written about it in uh, a magazine that we put out. It's an e-zine that comes out digitally every month about headwinds from Washington that could blow back across the country. Uh, what about headwinds for non-manufacturing? Is there anything that, that, that could slow the sector because it's doing so well? I mean, I don't want to say it and spook it, but what's happening? Well, I think as it relates to trade policy, uh, how is that going to affect um, both imports and exports? And even though mm -hmm. the uh, the exports aren't uh, a large percentage, uh, more so on the import side, but uh, as we see the administration taking the America First theme, how is that going to affect business um, domestically for the U.S.? Uh, that's one concern. Um, as we see, um, labor has always been a critical component for this sector. And with the immigration laws as they are, and we're seeing the labor pool um, as defined. Uh, there are many jobs, but not associated to the actual uh, qualifications and capabilities of the folks that may be available to work. So, and there's still the component of people that are not in the workforce who will never re-enter the workforce. So these are certain things that cross my mind. And then more importantly, um, you know, what catastrophic event could potentially derail the strength of the economy right now, whether it be uh, geopolitical concerns with uh, uh, what we have going on in North Korea, and, uh, terrorism and ISIS and everything else. So how does this all factor in? Uh, that's about the only potential things that I can see right now that could take uh, the, uh, the, sail, the wind out of the sails here. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly been a very strong month in June and a strong month in May, and the report has remained very positive. 
So I guess uh, we'll see how July uh, plays out because that's kind of the next key component. But it looks like the, the summer, which is typically a slower period with people going on vacation, could actually be quite strong. Is that your sense of it, Anthony? That's, that's, that's a great observation, and it's one I've uh, spoken about earlier today that uh, historically we have seen the summer have that bit of waning just for the same factors and variables that you mentioned. However, thinking back to last summer, it was the exception to that. We had kind of pushed right through with some strength last summer, and uh, it looks to be the case based on what's in the pipeline when you look at the new orders index that it might seem to be um, uh, going right along the same level uh, through the summer. I mean, time will tell, uh, but right now I've, I've looked at July and August as those pivotal months, those transitional months that will indicate to us, will there be some clawback or is this level of growth going to be sustainable going forward? And, um, you know, we'll have to see how it pans out, but right now all indications are that we will have this strength maintained for quite some time here. Lou, is that how it looks for all metals and forest groups as well? Excuse me, pretty much so. Uh, you know, we're we're hopeful the this uh, long trend of the, uh, the great grand recession seems to be uh, petering uh, away slowly but surely. I call it slowly falling forward. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I am not only hopeful, but I'm uh, um, significantly uh, optimistic uh, that uh, this is going to continue. Well, that is an excellent way to look at the next couple of months. We encourage everybody to go to msgtalkradio.com where we store all of our podcasts in a uh, previous show's library where you can listen to any of these shows and see how things are going and get some resource material. Anthony, we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio and bringing us up to speed on the non-manufacturing report. Anything else you want to throw in before we wrap up this segment? Well, I just think when you look across the uh, indexes that that make up this report, uh, we've had strength across the board. Uh, We see supplier deliveries just slowing a little bit uh, more so month over month. Inventories are building up. Uh, backlog is still growing, but it's come down substantially. And um, so across the board, uh, it's just a very good story for the non-manufacturing sector. Well, it certainly is, and we appreciate you bringing our listeners up to up to date on it, and we look forward to next month's report as well. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon, a studio full of guests. We even have some folks in the gallery, gallery a little paparazzi. This is going to be a fantastic show. We've got lots of folks to visit with. But first up on the High Velocity Radio Show this afternoon, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce executive producer and host with his own radio show, It's called Manufacturing Talk Radio. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Tim Grady. Good afternoon, sir. Gosh, good afternoon, Lee Ann Stone. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, Tim, can you share a little bit about Manufacturing Talk Radio? What are you doing for folks? 
Well, Manufacturing Talk Radio was birthed by my co-host up in New Jersey who happens to own All Metals and Forge Group. It's a manufacturer, and he was trying to find something different to do that his competitors couldn't copy. Mm -hmm. So at 2.30 in the morning, he woke up and started searching the Internet for radio. Right. And he called me at 8.30 in the morning, said, I'm glad you weren't up at 2.30 because I was going (laughs) to call you. He said, what do you think about radio? I said, sounds like a great idea. Two weeks later, we were on the air. And our mission is to really take information to manufacturers to help them with manufacturing. All kinds of aspects that go on in manufacturing. So that's, that's our mission is to help them understand where the industry is going, where are the trends, what's the forecast, what's happening in manufacturing. So now, uh, have you learned anything? We, <laughs> we have learned a bunch of stuff outside of what we knew from uh, the forging industry. Uh, one of the big exciting areas for young people to get into not just manufacturing itself, but it's supply chain. Mm-hmm. It turns out that supply chain used to be a back office basement job, and that's where you really worked on supply chain. Now it's a C-suite operation. Wow. And they may send you to uh, Malaysia, Asia, Australia, wherever your suppliers are to check them out. So it's a very exciting place to be for, for young people. Now, how is manufacturing doing kind of as a job source for people in America? Well, you know, it's interesting, Lee, and I'm glad you asked the question, because a lot of people have the perception of manufacturing from the 1950s, dark, dirty, dangerous, declining. Those are really the four dirty Ds of manufacturing, and those have all gone away. Manufacturing now is automated. You're dealing with smart machines. You're dealing with daisy chain machines, one machine passing a process off to the next machine. Uh, very high tech, and we have been to a fab tech, which is one of the big industry shows, and they have a million square feet of exhibit space for that show. And they have 12 million pounds of equipment they bring in, big, heavy iron machines, and you watch them work, and there are people in their 20s running those monsters with an iPad. Exciting to watch. <laughs> but now, back in the day, manufacturing was a place where thousands and thousands of people had jobs. Is that just not the case anymore since most things are automated? Well, that's what's happening, Lee. What's, uh, in, back in 1980, manufacturing peaked. There were 17 million jobs in manufacturing. Today, there's about 12 million jobs in manufacturing. Now, a lot of people will say, well, 5 million jobs went offshore. No, they didn't. Actually, they were automated. Very much like the same process happening in corporate America. We all thought that when the computer, the desktop computer, hit corporate America, that all the secretaries would be unemployed. Wrong. All the mill managers got unemployed, <laughs> the guys who made up the reports. So the same thing's happening in manufacturing. So it's being streamlined? Very much streamlined and a lot of intelligence going into it. Uh, the, the average worker today is not blue-collar. They're white-collar. They're at least a two-year degree, some coming out of high school. But manufacturing today has 300 thousand job openings in the u.s they cannot find people for and and these people how are they finding them now well they're really struggling they're going to the local county colleges they're going to the tech schools they're going to the universities you know the the sense 10 or 15 or even 20 years ago was my kids got to go to college everybody's got to get a four-year degree well great plan didn't work out because now you've got the kids who have graduated from college living in their parents' basement without a job, and they can't find a job. Right. Because they got a degree in uh, uh, being a film critic. 
there, there are literally <laughs> there are literally seven hundred universities in the country that have a degree program in being a film critic. <laughs> now I can't imagine there's a lot of jobs there. So instead of getting the skills that they needed to go into manufacturing, because they perceived it as dark, dirty, dangerous to right. go so manufacturing is really struggling. So now the mission of your show is to tell these stories and to kind of enlighten people about what the manufacturing world's really like? That's exactly right, is to get the message out to not just the manufacturers about what's happening in trends and software and automation and manufacturing, but what is going on for parents and students in that industry. It's very much high-class corporate now. If you go onto a production floor, you don't see grease and stains and chips and dirt. They're polished. You could eat off of some of those floors. Because there's so much uh, automation, robotics involved, they have to be in that environment for them to function, right? That's exactly right. It's all air-conditioned because you've got to control the air temperature for the robots to work, mm -hmm. and it's all computerized. So it's very much all different than people perceive it to be. Now, here in town, we had a conversation with a manufacturer a while ago that they were partnering with a technical college to create a curriculum to help them kind of create the jobs that they needed to fill mm -hmm. in their plant. Are, are you seeing that across the country? Absolutely, Lee. That's the smart thing to do is to go to your county college, go to your technical college, sit down with them and say, this is what we need you to turn out a year, two years hence. So please help us design the curriculum. And we're finding that the county colleges and the technical schools are very interested in doing that. That's exactly what they want to be able to tell their kids. When you graduate from here with a two-year degree, just walk right down the block and there's a, an employer who will employ you. And these jobs aren't like minimum wage jobs. These jobs are high-paying jobs. They are. The average starting wage is between forty and 50000 That's the wage start. Uh, if Here's a wild one. We thought welders, you know, welders, they must be making 20 grand a year. Wrong. Welders are starting at 60 and 70. If you're underwater welding, 150,000 a year and you only work six months. <laughs> so, you know, you look at some of the trades and you say, gee, those were the dark, dirty, dangerous trades. Not anymore. Very high tech. So now on your show, what are some of the guests that appear on your show? Gosh, we have had a lot of nonprofits on the show who are in the industry. The National Association of Manufacturers has been on the show. The president of the Fabricators and Manufacturers Association International is on the show. We have Dr. Chris Keel, who is an economist and out of Armada Corporate Intelligence. He's on the show. Uh, Brad Holcomb just retired. Uh, his position was taken over by Tim Fiore, they're from the Institute for Supply Management. Now, you may hear on the nightly news, the ISM number was 54.7. Well, what that means is manufacturing is in a positive area right now. Things are going well in supply chain, in production, in inventory. That's what that number means. Uh, ISM is very astute, and the literally the president of the United States waits for that number to come out shortly after 10 a.m. on the first business day of the month, because if it's above 50, he can say, hey, look how well manufacturing is doing under my tutelage. And if it's below 50, he sends out the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, how are you, are you bullish on manufacturing in the coming years? Like what's your, what's, how is it trending right now? Actually, manufacturing is looking very good. You hear that the economy, that the gross domestic product, is around 2, 2.1, 2.2%. That's the kind of growth they expect 
for 2017, 2018, we actually look forward about four years and we see this expansion continuing because it's not getting overheated. Uh, inflation is down, growth rate is, is relatively modest. But if you pull manufacturing out just by itself and look at that GDP, it's around 3.1. Wow. So it's about a point higher than the melded rate. Now, people say manufacturing is only 12% of the economy. If you measure just production floor out the back door, that's true. But if you measure upstream from that, it's about a third of the economy. Right. Now, are there some states doing better than others? There are. There are pockets of things that are doing well in the sector, and there are pockets that are really struggling. So it depends on where you're standing when someone says, oh, manufacturing is doing well, and you're going, I uh, don't think so. Uh, but generally, manufacturing is really quite strong right now. Now, are you seeing uh, more and more companies uh, bringing manufacturing back to America, or are they still kind of in an outsource mode? Very interesting. We had a gentleman on the show. He's one of our regular senior correspondents. He watches 18 purchasing managers' indexes around the world. And he dropped a golden nugget right at the end of the show. And it was, if your labor rate, and the labor rate, by the way, in a manufactured good is only about 10 or 12% right now. We, we think it's much higher than that. It's really not. Uh, if your labor rate is higher than 15%, consider taking it offshore. If it's less than that, it makes no sense to take it offshore. You hear about uh, reshoring and we're bringing jobs back to America. It's a zero-sum game. We haven't seen a lot come back. We're not seeing a lot leaving, and it's really driven by the economics of manufacturing. And the, so that means that if um, if it's above 15%, you sh should consider going offshore? Yeah, it, it's very much an economic decision. Because uh, you, you have the shipping and the hassle, the time, and all that stuff. Oh, and you've got some wild cultural differences. Right. You know, when you start doing manufacturing in China, in China, when you sit down with people, they don't like to say no in China. So they're always saying yes. Now, the reality is they may com be completely incapable of doing it, but they just said yes to the contract. You feel, oh, we got this. You're high-fiving in the office. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Until six months from now when you're looking for the stuff. That's exactly right. <laughs> so now what have you enjoyed most about the show? You know, it's fun to talk to people in the industry uh, to see what's their feel for, how do they see it. I guess one of the things that we're looking at most about uh, the industry and, and what's enjoyable about, about the industry is where it's going. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, I say to my kids, you know, when I grew up, I watched a show called Star Trek. It came out in 1965 with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock and all of that. And we looked at some of those devices and thought, oh, wow, those are so cool. Today, kids look at those devices and go, I can make that. <laughs> and that is startling when you have conversations. And we've talked with high school kids and we've talked with young college kids. And right now, today, there are two companies developing the tricorder. That device that Dr. McCoy went wheel, over and read your vitals and everything. Two of those devices are in development right now. Expect to hit the market next year. Wow. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about the radio show. Uh, you you have it in a studio or over the phone, but you also, you'll go to trade shows and conferences, don't you, and cover some, some of those? We do. We are actually on the exhibit hall floor. Yeah. When we first did that, in, you know, if you're in an exhibit hall, particularly at Fabtech, and you've got 12 million pounds of machines doing something, there's a lot of ambient noise. <laughs> and we thought oh, it, it's just going to blow out the mics. No one's going to know what we're talking about. It <laughs> turned out. 
with directional mics, don't? Yeah. Uh, that a lot of that ambient noise fades away, but it sounds really cool. Right, right. It sounds like you're actually broadcasting from a manufacturing operation. Uh-huh. So some of those shows are a lot of fun to, to uh, broadcast from. I'll bet they are. So what what are some of the kinds of shows that you that you've been to and some of the venues that you've visited? Well, the ISM show is all supply chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always talking about. Uh, where are you getting your inventory from, your parts from, your component parts from? Right. Uh, they hold that show every year. Uh, the other uh, one that we've been at, Fabtech. Fabtech will be in Atlanta next year. This year it's, <laughs> this year it's in Chicago in November. Uh, oh, yeah. Have yeah. fun with that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's a very neat show to be at. We've got one that's going off in Boston uh, with AME. Mm. There's a number of shows now. Uh, exhibits reaching out to us to say, you know, come broadcast from our exhibit hall floor because sure. the, the most important thing for them is, you know, exposure in the media and CNN mm-hmm. doesn't show up. Really? <laughs> Mainst- Traditional media isn't showing up to these things. Mainstream media, I hate to say it, they're not paying attention to a third of the economy. They're just kind of blowing it off. And and if you look at their even their news stories on CNN.com, FoxNews.com, whatever it might be, it's Trump, 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 Trump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where can our listeners go to tap into your radio show and or to have a, a conversation with you or your partner about any of these topics, the best coordinates, websites, emails, whatever's appropriate? Sure, Stone. I would love to give them the email address. I'm sorry, the, the website address, which is mfgtalkradio.com. We store all of our shows there. They go off live and then they become podcasts. Some of them are just podcasts themselves. So we store all of the shows there. They can look through the library. We've got a number of news articles that we post there. And then they can find our our emails or just shoot info at mfgtalkradio.com. I get a copy of that. My partner, uh, Lou Weiss, who is the co-host and the uh, CEO of Manufacturing Trucker, he gets a copy of it. And we like to follow up on those inquiries. Well, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Keep up the good work. This is important stuff that you're doing for all the reasons that we described. And and as you specifically called out, I don't think traditional media is doing now, nor do they plan to do a very good job of celebrating and supporting the good work that is happening on the manufacturing floor or in so many of these enterprises. So this is very important work you guys are doing. Thanks, Joan. We really enjoyed being here. So I'd like to thank Anthony from the Institute of Supply Management with his non-manufacturing report, which uh, is really showing, again, with all the rest of the numbers that we're seeing, really tremendous strides and a real major uptick. Um, And, uh, Tim, I'd like to thank you for your uh, interview that you did with uh, Business Radio X. Uh, Really, I, I was inspired. How come you don't do those kind of things on our show? Yeah, well, I, we never talked about our show on our show, although I'm about to. If anybody would like to advertise with Manufacturing Talk Radio, we'll see if you're listening this late in the show, please contact us. At, and is, Lou, correct me if I'm wrong, is the email address advertising at mfgtalkradio.com? That is correct. Okay, is so correct. advertising. And, 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 we, and we take all forms of payment, cash, credit card, wire transfer, uh, uh, whatever, whatever you got that can be bartered for money, we, we will take. Um, so aside from that, next week's show is our global show. We're featuring Chad Moutre from the National Association of Manufacturers, Norbert Orr from Strategis with the PMI Global Report, where he talks about 
18 different uh, countries and locations within the United States. Again, just to support what we're hearing from all of what you have all heard today and in the past. Uh, Roy Slow, our senior uh, international correspondent, reporting from the UK and France, and Chung Wang reporting from China about uh, China, obviously, and other uh, Asian uh, locations. Uh, all in all, uh, things are really looking good. It's almost hard to complain. Uh, so, uh, folks, tune in. We've got some great stuff coming up. And, again, I want to remind you about WAM, Women and Manufacturing, and our shows coming up in September. You're going to hear me talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, because women are the most underutilized factor in our economy and in our uh, manufacturing workforce. And they did their job in the Second World War, and they are more than anxious to do their job right now. So tune in for that. Thanks, Lou. And again, if anyone would like to advertise with Manufacturing Talk Radio, we have got a very unique advertising package. It's more than just a spot on the radio. There's a number of different ways where you get the kind of exposure you can't get with any other single advertising medium. So we encourage you to contact us at advertising at mfgtalkradio.com. If you'd like to hear any of our previous shows, those are also at mfgtalkradio.com. Tune in anytime. Come advertise with us. We look forward to working with you. And thank you for listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio today. We've enjoyed the show and enjoyed having you with us. Before you leave, Tim, there are two other things I'd like to mention, being that we're promoting advertising and trying to generate revenue. Um, We have had, we've been on the air since October 2013, but in the last 24 months, which puts us in uh, October 2015, we have had 450,000 downloads of our shows, which is really for a new new organization, new company, is really staggering. And uh, it's really important that you uh, get the vision as to how many people are listening to us, who are they, and they're primarily manufacturing people from all levels, C-suite, down to the shop floor, politicians, the orgs, NAM, FMA, ISM, and I can go on through the rest of the alphabet. So if it seems like that we're really promoting advertising, you got it. We are. Tune in and see what you can get out of our advertising programs. Tim, back to you. All right, everyone, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>